All right, guys, so I'm sitting here with Tyler Smith. If you're unfamiliar with who he is, Tyler played for the Humboldt Broncos and was a survivor of the accident that rocked our nation. Uh, Tyler suffered a number of injuries because of the accident, um, if I'm not mistaken, a broken shoulder blade, broken collarbone. Uh, you, had a, you actually had a stroke and you had some nerve damage uh, in, your, in your arm. And recovering from all those physical ailments really shows a lot about your character and your resilience. And when we, when we talk about the mental side of that, that's where, that's where this really multiplies and really shows who you are as a person and as a man. And that's why I wanted to bring you on here today and talk to you about that, uh, the mental trauma that comes along with that and how you were able to do that and how you became an advocate for, for mental health in general with, um, with the clothing line you're starting, with the things you're doing, um, even going to school for broadcasting and, and kind of wanting to tie in the mental, the mental health into that as well. It really shows a lot of, of who you are. And that's why I'm excited to talk to you today. So with that being said, uh, let's, let's, let's jump right into it. Let's welcome Tyler to the show and uh, let's, let's start with it. Um, so Tyler, what, what, what do you think it means for men's mental health? Um, uh, we, we both kind of understand that there's a stigma attached to that. And, you know, growing up playing hockey, um, I'm sure there's a lot of that's kind of pushed down and, and not, not really talked about. And then just with everything that happened, how did that kind of change the way you, you, you see mental health and everything that follows with that? Yeah, I mean, especially growing up in the hockey world and our kind of generation, like obviously it's shifting now, but I mean, looking back, I couldn't even imagine kind of the days before we played just because even when I played, it just wasn't something that you really did. And it's just not something that was really brought up in the dressing room. It was definitely more focused on on your performance out there and kind of getting you to the next level and, and mainly physical. I mean, there was some coaches that I had that definitely um, touched a little bit more on the mental side and, and making sure that everybody's in a good state of mind and and all the team bonding that comes with it. But for the most part, it was just never something that was brought up or never something that you wanted to, to come to the rink and share with your teammates about. That, that's just something you kept at home. And, and once you got to the rink, it was kind of one job and one job only. And it was whether it was practice or a game, you kind of just focused on that. So, so obviously it's shifting now. I mean, you see the professional athletes, not even in ho just in hockey. I mean, I just saw that DeMar DeRozan came out about his struggles, Dak Prescott, like, you can see the professional athletes starting to make that shift um, just because there is such a toll. I mean, not even just for professional athletes, for athletes of my age or athletes younger or older, whatever it may be, there's, there's such a toll mentally that, that it can take. And, and unfortunately I think guys are starting to realize that if they don't do something about it, then it's going to spiral down. And I don't think anybody wants that. And, and I mean, I had a point where it kind of spiraled down for me, not while I was playing, but like after the accident and, and you can tell that it's it's taking a toll on guys and it's starting to, to be at the forefront of their lives and, and the forefront of their athletic careers, which is important as well. Mm -hmm. For sure, man. It's crazy how prominent it's becoming with, with the professional athletes talking about it. And it, it's funny because we all, we all kind of have these traumas growing up. We all go through little things. And I actually heard you mention it on another podcast that we can't really we can't really compare these, our, our own traumas to other people's because that right there is just going to put so much pressure on you. Um, so for yourself, when you, when you were playing hockey and you know, you're hanging out with the buddies and you, you might be going through something, it's not something that we're really open to talking about. If, if you are going through some problems, like you said, you just kind of shove it down. You just, uh, kind of, I guess, like, I guess something we all kind of hear is you man up a little bit and you just, you forget about it and you go on with your day. And uh, I'm just curious to know if that's something that you're starting to see a shift in maybe not just hockey, but just in life in general. Yeah, I'd say there's definitely a big switch going on, which is important. But I mean, especially being a, like a former junior hockey player, like as a junior player, like your team you're with every day. And I mean, it's different from whether you're playing midget or bantam or peewee where you kind of have your own life at school or, or whatever it may be, you practice maybe two times a week, a couple games. But I mean, in junior, you're playing seven days a week sometimes, and you're consistently with that team. So you can see the shift more 
in the junior hockey and like higher up kind of the pro just because at the end of the day these are your guys that you're with every single day and I mean even if you don't love them as a best friend or if you don't have like that real core group like I mean it, you're still with them every day so I mean having that kind of trust and having that vulnerability within your teammates is, is I think a huge stride in not only your individual success but I think the team's success as well I mean looking back at our team in Humboldt I think we all understood that and we all embraced it and we all realized that we all have different roles but at the end of the day we're a family and and we all wear the same crest and and we need to do what we have to do to make sure that each guy is bought in and each guy is also doing well. It's because mental, the mental side of hockey is a huge thing. I mean, a lot of people may think that hockey is so physical and hockey is so dependent on your skills and your talents and your, and your conditioning. But at the end of the day, like it's so mental and there's so much to the mental side of it. And as soon as that mental side kind of diminishes, then I mean that down goes your performance, your focus, all that. So I mean, it, it, it's important to have that, that just that core trust factor with the people around you. And I mean, whether it be a teammate, whether it be a trainer, whether it be a coach, whether like whoever it may be, your billet. But for me, I, uh, looking back, I can see that I had that. And we all could see that we had that just because we embraced every day and we enjoyed every day and we took it day by day. We weren't looking so far in advance, kind of not worrying about what's going on in that day or what's going on in your brain. But we just focused on what we had to do and focused on the people around us. Mm -hmm. So you guys just really focused on where you, where you were. And it sounds like maybe if, if it wasn't consciously, but you were kind of living in the moment and just kind of taking it day by day and, and, and pushing each other to, to be better in that regard. And is that something you're a little bit more conscious of now? Yeah, I'd say living in the present is a big thing I'm conscious of now. And that that's a big perspective switch in my eyes. Um, just having that mindset of, you know, like, as much as I look, look ahead to maybe the week ahead or the next day or whatever it may be, or to a date in the future, I try my best to kind of wake up and focus on that day and live in the mm -hmm. present in that day and kind of give my all to the people that I see in that day or give my all to the people that are around me that day. And and I think that's just a big thing for even like making memories. And I think that's just a big thing for your overall kind of mental health, just mm -hmm. because there's no point in putting so much pressure on yourself, looking so far into the future when, I mean, you still have to focus on what's going on inside you for each and every day. And that's, that's one kind of philosophy I've adopted is just take it one day at a time. And I mean, there's mm -hmm. always that, that saying in hockey, just one shift at a time, one period at a time. And, and I tried to adopt that into my life just because it's so true. Like it's one day at a time. You truly never know what's going to happen the next day. So, I mean, I try and just live in the moment and, and just do what I can to make the most of that day, whether it be a good or bad day. I mean, mm -hmm. you still have to embrace those days, no matter what day it is, no matter where your head's at, no matter where your mind's at. I, I think just living in the moment and living in the present is a big thing for for me and I hope it becomes a big thing for a lot of people. Absolutely, man. And I love that you said that. And it's something we hear all, all the time, enjoying the process, you know, enjoying the journey, embracing life for what it is. But I, what I find is a lot of us tend to pick and choose what we want to embrace, what we want to enjoy. But it sounds like what you're saying <clears> is that we need to be, you got to embrace everything. You got to embrace the suck. You got to enjoy those shitty moments um, because they are going to happen. And it's, it's almost like the, the main premise of, of this clothing line you have where it's, it's okay to not be okay. So on those days when you are not feeling okay, do you find yourself trying to hide from that? Do you tr find yourself trying to, um, I guess, force happier emotions or happier feelings? Um, for the first bit, I think that was a, a big thing, the forcing the emotions upon myself and forcing myself to either be completely sad or be completely happy or whatever. But I think now just being cognitive of the fact that you can't force these emotions upon yourself. And I mean, there's no right or wrong way to, to embrace it. And I mean, even if it's a, a shitty day and you don't want to do absolutely anything, then I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think there's that big misconception that, I mean, if you're having a bad day and you wake up with the that frame of mind where it's like, you're just not feeling it that day that, that you still have to go out and, 
and be completely yourself and put on this mask and, and try your best to, mm-hmm. to power through and grind through what you're going through. And, and that's definitely what I tried to do for a while. I mean, I'm a big, I'm a big dressing room guy. I'm a big atmosphere guy. I love my family. I love having laughs. I love having, you know, like all that. And I think for a while I thought, you know what, I, I can't stray away from the person I was. Like I need to, I need to get back to who I was right now. And I need to make these people around me happy. And I need to, to make these people laugh. And, and now I think I realize that I don't have, I don't, I mean, I owe a, a lot to the people around me and I, I owe a lot to, to the, my family and friends that have, continually loved and supported and cared for me but at the end of the day it's still what's going on inside me and I, I think if I I put on this mask and I try to be somebody I'm not in that moment then that just is goes back to to bottling it up and and mm-hmm. just kind of putting it on the back burner which eventually will lead to a spiral down and eventually could lead to a little blow up so um, mm-hmm. now I can kind of see that it's important to to embrace the fact that some days you're just not going to be yourself. And some days the people around you need to realize that you're going through something. And I mean, if the people around you really love and care about you, they'll, they'll understand that, Oh, maybe he doesn't want to go for drinks this day, or maybe he doesn't want to, you know, come hang out. I mean, that's the thing. I, I think the, the people around you will always understand and respect that and give you that space, but also be there for what, for you when you need. So it's, it's a lot about the people you surround yourself with as well. For sure. I, I, I heard you say something else as well. Um, you're trying to, you're trying to make people laugh when you're, when you're not happy yourself. And it sounds like that's a, that's a, that's a big part of who you are is you like to make people laugh. You like to have a good time. You like to have these and create these fun memories with people that you're surrounded with. Uh, maybe just walk us through that a little bit more of, of um, how, I guess, how you navigate those feelings and those emotions where, you're trying to make people laugh, but then you're realizing that you're not necessarily happy yourself. Yeah, I think, I think that was a big thing I struggled with just because I've always played that role and I've always embraced that role and I've always loved that role, whether it be in the dressing room or, or at a family dinner or, or whatever it may be. And I think now I can just see that I don't always have to be that if I'm not feeling like that. Mm-hmm. To in, within myself you know like if I'm not feeling up for the fact that I need to make all these people laugh and it's not even it's not even a thing where I need to make people laugh I think it's just like I've always lived that role and I enjoy seeing people laugh I enjoy see, pe- seeing people have a good time but I think there was such a focus on that that I got away from kind of my own recovery and my own kind of growth within myself back to somewhat of the person I used to be and I mean I now can be proud of kind of who I am now and 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 what I've how I've grown and, and all that but there's still work to do and I think anybody that goes through a traumatic experience or or a loss or whatever it may be there's never gonna it's never just gonna end it's never gonna mm-hmm. just gonna stop all of a sudden you're like oh the grief's gone the trauma's gone I'm fine I, I'm, I'm well and and I think that was a big misconception for me to to start when my healing kind of happened it's, still, it's like yeah I'll go to one or two therapy sessions, I'll, I'll journal a little and then I'll be done. You know, I, I can, I can get over and I can move on, but I think living with grief is such an everyday thing. And it's such a, mm. it's such a, a thing that you have to, you can't push, you can't force, you can't kind of rush. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I heard a quote just about how you, you can't rush your grief. And that's something I tried to do just because it's, it's just never mm-hmm. something I've, I've been able to, to grasp or understand. And I've never went through a loss and I've never went through a, like something that has really impacted me or, or really affected me. So I can see now how it's an everyday thing and it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, you can't rush it and you can't expect yourself to, to get completely back to the person you were or expect yourself to just, to just be fine and, and, and have no worries in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, grief is a powerful emotion, and we we lost our grandpa in June. And I don't know if this is something you something similar happened to you or continues to happen. But um, I had a family member share a, a photo on Facebook, and I'm looking at the photo, and uh, I can I can feel tears starting to come down. I can feel like I can feel sadness starting to ensue. And normally in the past, what I would do is I try and I try and push that away, try and try and get rid of it, and um, I, I noticed that that would make it worse for me. 
And instead, what I did this time is I did exactly that, is I embraced the feeling, I embraced the emotions. I allowed those tears to run down my face. I allowed myself to feel that sadness. And instead of, instead of feeling bad and terrible afterwards, I, I really had, it was really a beautiful moment. And I really felt really, really good afterwards just by allowing myself to feel those emotions. And I'm just curious, um, I guess two parts to this question. Is that something that you experience? Do you see maybe it's a photo, maybe it's a message, maybe it's something that kind of sparks these feelings? And then how do you kind of deal with those feelings and those emotions? Yeah. And I mean, first off, I'm very sorry for your loss. That's uh, I can imagine, but it's uh, yeah, you said exactly that. It's okay to show the emotion. And, and for the month after the accident, for some reason, I like, I, I truly just like couldn't cry. And I, and for some reason, I just like, I was almost forcing myself to try and cry just because I, I felt that I needed that reassurance for a moment within myself that I'm crying because like this happened. But at the end of the day, I was still completely numb and I was still completely in shock and I was still completely upset. And, and I think looking back, I now know that I didn't need to cry because I still felt those emotions. The tears just didn't Mm -hmm. come out. And, and Mm -hmm. as the months kind of passed, I, I had a couple moments where everything came out. I mean, on stage in Vegas for the NHL awards, um, for the first game back in humble. Um, I, I mean, I was at a point where I was dropping to my knees, like just because the emotion was just so, powerful and overwhelming and and I had no idea what to do but it I'll, it's something I'll never change and it's something mm-hmm. I will never look down on myself if I all of a sudden start crying with my friends or or you know have a drunk cry with my friends and I just need that kind of time to to let it loose just because it is so refreshing some days when you look when you kind of look back at that previous day and you and you know that you let everything out and you know that you didn't try to hide that. And you know that you didn't try to, to bottle up those emotions and, and feelings. And, and it's such a, it can feel very good, which is something I didn't understand. Like when you cry, I thought it was just like, you'll feel so shitty for the next couple of days. Like you'll just feel like a, a person that you, you just can't do anything. But I think when I cry too, it's just like, I feel better the next day because obviously mm-hmm. those emotions needed to come out. And I think trying to to mask those emotions and and stop those from happening and stop yourself from crying or stop yourself from feeling sad is is the worst some possibly the worst thing you can do for yourself just because then mm-hmm. your focus you still have that in the back of your head like oh mm-hmm. I should have cried then oh I I felt sad then and and it's just I I, I hate to see people kind of go through that downhill spiral just because it's it's very detrimental and it, it can be mm-hmm. very tough to get out of once you're in that kind of hole. Mm-hmm. You kind of get stuck in that cycle mm-hmm. and, it, and it's hard to break and it continues and continues. And I feel like a lot of it is, it's about the energy and we need to express that energy in some way. And like you said, sadness doesn't typically mean that you're going to, you're going to physically cry. You're still able to feel those emotions and you're still able to express that feeling without the tears. Um, so I think in saying that really shows a lot of how how you can feel your emotions and you don't necessarily need these, like there's no one way to feel an emotion or there's, there's we can all express things differently. We can all feel things differently. And once we get stuck in those comparisons with each other, that's where it tends to be like, oh, well, I guess like I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sad enough. I guess I'm not grieving. And then there's a little bit of guilt with that as well. You mentioned you mentioned playing back in in Humboldt, and I think that that in itself um, it just it really shows your strength. It really shows your resilience and how you're able to overcome again not only those physical those physical injuries but the mental injuries as well. And I'm just kind of curious of how that process was for you, even just the days leading up to the leading up to that first game back. Um, you know, being in the dressing room before, before you head out onto the ice, when you're on the ice, like how did that whole process look like uh, mentally for you? Yeah, it's, it's something that I, it, it was a big learning experience and it was a big challenge for me just because those days leading up and those weeks leading up, it was such a mental focus. It was such a mental grind of, or sorry, it was such a physical focus. It was such a physical grind of getting back to to junior hockey player shape, conditioning, all that, making sure all my injuries were healed, make, making sure that I wasn't putting myself at risk of, of any other worse injuries. And, 
and that was the thing it was just like you know what I need to I need to get myself back I need to make sure that I can play at that level again I need to I need to focus on all those factors and and uh leading up to it I think I was just so prepared physically that I mean it was eventually a mental toll just because that is like some like looking back it is incredibly overwhelming like I think going back to that dressing room first off going back to my billet house with with my billet parents and and without my billet brother Tobes and and just all these factors that came into play not seeing his car outside uh, outside the front window and and not seeing the same cars that I would see in the parking lot the year before and and I think knowing I knew all this I had Mm -hmm. I had it's not like I completely just like didn't think about all these factors but I knew all this and I just I had no idea how to fully prepare for it. I, I, I tried mm-hmm. to prepare myself as much as I could, but I think I was still in shock and I was still in that heavy, heavy grief period where it was, uh, I can't even remember like half a year after the accident. So, I mean, that's, that's a very short amount of time. And, and mm-hmm. I have so much respect and, and like admiration for, for Patter and Camrude for going back on that first game because, I mean, I was on. We were on that red carpet, and we were all bawling our eyes out after the game when the banners were dropped, and and those emotions finally came out. But I couldn't imagine those two playing in that game. So I did, I just I looked. I just have so much respect for what they did because it is so hard to to really get back to that, you know, like hockey player mentality. Like it's it's just such a, a different atmosphere. It's such a different environment. It's such a different group, and. And I mean, the group I went back to was awesome. I still have a, a ton of friends from that group and I don't ever regret going back, which is, mm-hmm. which is refreshing for me to, to embrace and understand just because I learned a lot about myself and I learned a lot about the healing journey. And I, I think that was kind of the tipping point where it was like, okay, I'm not actually okay. And I need to, I need to figure that out or else I'm mm-hmm. just going to continually be in this rut of not getting back to to that dressing room guy I was just because when I was back in Humboldt I wasn't I wasn't filling that role that I love filling and and that was also a void I was missing just because I couldn't I wasn't at that place where I wanted to to fully make everybody in the room feel so good and and laugh because I mean I was looking across the room at at stalls with guy with different guys in them and I mean mm-hmm. as much as I respected and loved these these new guys in these stalls it, it's just those images and those those moments that you live that I lived and that we lived in previous to the accident that that dressing room was our home like that dressing room was everything to us and and that dressing room is where we kind of had that full embrace of of truly making it a, a great day every day to to wear that crest and be a bronco and and to play for Darcy and to play for that community and and to play for everybody so mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to imagine how that how that would feel. The toll that would, I guess, the weight that you would carry going back into the dressing room and, you know, seeing the stalls where you you spent so many days with certain people and now there's somebody else sitting in that stall and it's it, it's really hard to imagine how that would feel. And when when you went back um, again, I heard you say something about how you didn't you almost felt like you didn't deserve to have a good day. And I'm just kind of curious to what, what that was exactly, what, what was causing you to feel that way? Um, I think that was like a, a combination of things. Um, obviously, I think the biggest factor of that was like, I'm here and they're not, you know, like mm. my parents get to have me at their home and these parents don't. And I think that was just like the complete survivor's guilt coming out. And I mean, I think there's always going to be survivor's guilt and there's always going to be that attached to, to us, like us 13. I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but at the end of the day, I just felt like, why should I go out and have a good time when these, these families are missing somebody that was so important to them? And I mean, not everybody knew um, the, uh, like the, the 16 that passed away, but being able to really have that, that experience with them and have those memories. And, and I think being able to see how beautiful each and every, each and every person was is mm-hmm. also why it felt like I should 
I shouldn't have a good day. I shouldn't have a laugh. I shouldn't have a smile. I shouldn't go, go out with my friends just because that it's just, it, I, I actually can't, it's hard to explain just because it was mm-hmm. so foreign to me and I had no idea why I was feeling like that. But that also ties into the whole not crying thing for a mm-hmm. time there. I felt like I wasn't deserve Like I didn't deserve something just because I wasn't fully showing these emotions that some of mm-hmm. the other people, some of the other families, some of the other guys were feeling. And, and I felt like I was, I was doing everybody a wrong by not crying or not, you know, like completely, mm-hmm. but, it was just the the emotions were still there, but it was just like it wasn't coming out at the time. So, um, yeah, it took a long time for me to really like. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I still, I still, you know, had we would go out and have laughs, and I would have friends come over, and we were still smile and stuff. But it just felt like it wasn't fully deserved, and it wasn't mm-hmm. fully, fully like in the present. Like it was like almost for a while there, it almost like it was just like a. Every day would just be wake up, go to physio, come home, watch TV, wake up, go to physio, come home. It was just such a repeated cycle. And I was like, I was just like, I'm fine with living like this because like, I'm not, you know, like living my life to the fullest. And, and now I can, I can see that the families and I, I'm sure that our angels want us to live the life to the fullest. But for a while there, it took me a while to embrace that just because, mm-hmm why would I go out and travel and have fun and, and laugh and, and play games and stuff when, when we lost 16 people, we'll never be able to do that again. So, yeah. Absolutely, man. And I imagine that's a difficult thing to go through. And there's only, there's not very many people in this world that have gone through an experience like that. And I don't think it's possible for any of us who haven't to quite understand what you mean by that. Um, it does sound like you were kind of you almost felt like you didn't deserve to be there because you could have easily been on the other side of it you could have and it's almost like well why did I deserve to continue my life and these other guys didn't um so is that is that something you you find yourself thinking about or something you're dealing with on a daily basis on a weekly basis is it something you're 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 more comfortable with now? Yeah, for the months and like weeks after the accident, I think that was a that was a big thing, and I think that's directly attached to survivor's guilt, and I think that's something that we all had to to truly figure out for ourselves, just because we're still as much as we are connected through the accident, we're still even before we all knew each other, we're still our own human beings, and we're still our own individuals, and we have to we have to navigate our own path and we all had our own different kind of journey of healing and growth and, and both physical and mental. And I, mm-hmm. I think that now we're all kind of at a good place where we can, where we can kind of embrace it and, and try to try to get back to, to who we all were. I mean, we're never, I don't think we'll ever be able to truly get back to the people we were. I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but I know just for myself and, and um the whole everything happens for a reason that was a a very very tough phrase i had to try and to to battle with for mm-hmm. for the day, for days on days on days and just because like if everything happens for a reason like why would this why did this day ever happen why mm-hmm. did we lose 16 beautiful souls and why why but it it's still something i struggle with and I, I, I don't think I'll ever stop struggling with that just because it, we have no answers. We have no answers to the questions. We have no answers. As, as much as we can kind of look up at the sky and be like, why did this day happen? Why are you guys gone? Like, what, what did we do? Like, what, there's just never going to be an answer. And as much mm-hmm. as we want those answers, we, it's so hard because we'll never get that answer. And we want that. An, we want that closure. We want, you know, mm-hmm. like, I, I don't like some people, but it's just for me, I think I want to know why but I'll never know why. And mm-hmm. I think for now, I just have to understand that I'm here and I need to do my best to make my angels proud. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I can hang on to that and I can live with that just because if they're looking down and, and they're, they're proud of, of what I'm doing or who I'm becoming or, or whatever it may be, then I think that's, that's the most special thing for me. And I think every day I will live for them. And that's why I try to live in the present and enjoy those moments and, 
and make those memories again just because that's sometimes all you have left is those memories and those photos and and all that so, mm-hmm. so yeah for sure so a lot of it's like hearing this saying like everything happens for a reason but then trying to understand why is this happening and not really not 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 being able to find an answer and possibly because there's not an answer um and then it sounds like the way you deal with that is you you kind of focus on living in the moment and you focus on making these 16 guys proud and kind of living for them in a way so for yourself is that is that the only way you kind of cope with that? Is that the only way you deal with that? Or is there something else that's happening um, when these thoughts are coming on? Um, yeah, I think I'm still kind of navigating that as well. I mean, mm-hmm. I think as much as it's, I, I, I wish I knew the exact day, but as much as it's that many days since the accident, it still feels like yesterday. And it mm-hmm. still feels like we are these young adults like trying to to figure out the best way to to cope and heal and recover and grow within ourselves but also as a group just because we're so connected and we are still family we're still brothers and and I think that was that was it to begin with if if that day doesn't happen I think we'll always that team will always continually be bonded for the rest of our lives just because of how special that team was and just because of how how special that the, that group of players and staff and, and everybody was. And um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm still trying to figure like that part out. I wish I had an answer for everybody, but that's going back to the same thing. It, it, there's just, there's no right or wrong way to, to go about that. There's just simply no right or wrong way to, to heal. And I mm-hmm. sometimes wish there was, but at the end of the day, I sometimes, I'm sometimes okay with the fact that I need to figure this out for myself and, and I need to rely on the people around me and I actually need to rely on myself to, to do the necessary things and focus on the necessary resources and tools that will help me in the long run. And I, uh, yeah, I wish the, some of the speeches I do, I, I wish I was able to just, to just give that magic answer but I still don't have it and I, I never will just because mm-hmm. it's everybody's story is different and everybody's growth is different. And, and that always kind of, is something I will live with just because we all, as much as it, it's just, we're everybody's story is different and everybody's it, there's, there's simply no right or wrong way to, to embrace and, and cope and recover from whatever you're, you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. I think that's something super important for everybody to keep in mind is that there, there is no right or wrong answer for almost everything. We all have different perspectives on, on life and how things work and all this. And we do, we truly do go at our own pace. Um, just because somebody's over to get something quicker than you are, doesn't, doesn't take anything away from you or your feelings. And it, it, it's, it's, it's just something to understand for everybody is that the importance of focusing on yourself and just going, taking everything at your own pace and trying not to compare yourself to somebody else's journey or where somebody else might be along their, along their recovery. Um, I, I, I love the answers, man. The, it's your, your insight is phenomenal and I think it's going to help a lot of people. I, I, I want to thank you for that. Like, everything we just went through is super important, the mental health and everything. And I think, uh, I think a lot of people are going to value or a lot of people are going to value from your, your knowledge and your experience as well. And I'm, I'm happy that you're sharing that with everybody. With that being said, I want to, I kind of want to dive into the, the actual accident and that experience for you and kind of maybe, maybe we'll start with, before the accident, um, maybe who you were as a person, who were you, who you were as a man and kind of what your mindset was like before that. Yeah. So, I mean, I was at a point where I didn't really know what I wanted to do, like in my future. So junior hockey was just perfect for me. And I played my 18 year old year in drain Valley. And, and I, I was that fourth line dressing room guy, that that glue guy, some would say. And, and I definitely tried to, to fully grasp that role and, and enjoy that role and, 
at times it's difficult just because some days I would get three minutes ice time and then I got to go into the dressing room if we win and have the best time of my life. But, um, so then I ended up in Humboldt obviously. And, and I had a couple connections right off the bat. Um, I knew Luke and I knew Straz, I knew Tobes. Well, I guess Tobes came later, but, uh, and yeah, so, I mean, it felt like home right, right from the get go. My billets were incredible people. And, and I, I got back to that kind of fourth line, sometimes third line, low PK kind of dressing room glue guy. And, and that was, I, I had so much fun being that role just because mm-hmm. Humboldt's a small community and that the Broncos are, are pretty much everything for that community. So if I can, if I can have my little piece of, of trying to make sure that we perform that night and we have the best time and, and we make those memories, then, then I was completely content and happy with doing that. But I mean, even with that being said, I had a, uh, a little like four day span of kind of just like going mute and like, not really like, being that dressing room guy and being that kind of laughable, fun loving person, just because I had, I had times where I was like, is this really worth it? Like I could go start my life and, and I could, you know, go, go do other things. And, Mm. but I, I felt the love and I felt the, the need for me and I felt the need for my role and I felt the need for, for my kind of position within that team. And, and I had a lot of guys come up to me and, and make sure that I was doing okay. And, and so I think that's one of my first kind of experiences with mental health and with kind of like being down and, and kind of getting out of a rut. But um, after that, it was just, I mean, I was, well, we were, we were great. I mean, Darcy made some moves at the, at the deadline and, and we picked up Shums and Tobes and a couple guys and, and we had uh, every intention of, of trying to go all the way. And I mean, Nippon was a tough team and, and um I think looking back, we would have won that game. And, mm-hmm. and you talk to any, anybody on, on that team and the, the, we would have won that hockey game. But um, for me, um, yeah, like I, I to characteristic or characterize myself, I think that's just kind of, you know, fun loving, big family person, big guy that wants to, to laugh and, and always have a good time and, and kind of always try to be the life of the party and, and try to, always just enjoy that time and, and meet people and meet new friends and, and make the, make those moments count. But, uh, but yeah, that's kind of to sum it up. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of that energy guy who went out there, played hard, uh, played in Humboldt. Uh, so that's Saskatchewan. That's the type of hockey they love. So of course, the, of course the town loved you. Um, and then you kind of battled with a little bit of mental health, just kind of like, is this what I should be doing? Should I go out there and start, start my own, my own thing? Do I need to be doing this, that kind of thing? And then the team kind of picked you up from there. And then I guess, how does that, how is that different from who you are now as a, as a, as a person or as a man? Um, I don't think there's a huge difference. Like, I mean, I think I've went through a bunch of different kind of changes in myself and, and a bunch of different sort of perspective switches, but um, I still, even before the accident, I still tried to, like I said, make the most of every moment and, and Mm -hmm. always have that, that positive, good, like fun time. But I think now I don't think I realized how much like appreciation and, and being grateful is like a how I'm like how important that is to have in your life so I think that was one of the biggest perspectives which is for me is just like truly as much as we had fun and 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 truly had the best time every day at the rink or or at somebody's house so I think looking back I wish I would just say like I love you boys more and I mean Mm -hmm. it's as simple as kind of that but um yeah just being completely grateful for every day and mm. and just being grateful for the people you have in your life and the the friends or family or or even the random people that will continually to support us and continually kind of send us messages and um and just having that appreciation for the fact that you get to to live this life and and this should be your time to to live your life as much as like as fullest as you can I mean even like on those bad days like I said like that's just sometimes not possible but 
-hmm. I mean, if I can, if I can instill in, in the people around me that kind of gratefulness and that appreciation for, for what they have and the people around them, then I think that's, that's my end goal, just because there's no, there's no reason to, to take for granted what you have and the people around you. And, and I think that's something I did before. And I think that's something that a lot of people will do just because it's, it's way easier to do that. But taking that time to, to tell somebody you're proud of them or, or tell somebody you appreciate them or tell somebody you love them is, is simply, it's not that much time and it, it doesn't take that much time or effort to do. And I think I, I now realize how kind of vital that is to tell not only your friendship and, or your, your relationship, but also just within yourself. It just feels good to tell people that you appreciate them and, and it makes them feel good as well. Mm -hmm. For sure. It's, it sounds like you're, you still kind of have that same foundation. You know, you're still that fun loving guy. You're still that energy guy. Uh, you just have a, taken away a couple of different uh, perspective shifts and you know, you're going to, you're going to love a little bit harder. You're going to really focus on that moment a little bit more and take away from it, take away more from it, uh, show a little bit more gratitude to the people you're surrounded by and, and, and kind of express yourself out there and get your word out there, get your voice out there so that you can potentially help a number of different people along their own journey. And I think that's amazing, man. Um, yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Of course. Uh, so for during the accident, if you want to just walk us through that a little bit and I, you, were you in a coma for four days or were you just don't remember anything for four days? Um, I don't, I, I, you'd have to ask my mom. Like I wasn't, I don't think I was in like a coma. I think I was just okay. like hopped up on a lot of stuff and I, I had surgery the, the night of, and I had, you know, like I was just, I was just like so foggy and so like, yeah, I, 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 you'd have, I'd have to ask my mom just because I was, I was on so many different drugs and I was, mm. I was hooked up to quite a few machines. So, um, but yeah, I, I have no kind of recollection of, of whatever, like four or five days. Mm -hmm. There's just so much going on and mm -hmm. didn't really know what was happening. You ended up having a stroke. So what's, I guess, what's the, what's the last thing you remember? And then, or I guess like, what's the first thing you remember? And then the last thing you remember in between that period of those four or five days? Yeah, I think I definitely try to piece together the day of the accident. I think that's just like, that's just natural for any kind of human to, to want to, to really remember what happened. But it's probably, like I've said, it's probably a blessing in disguise. Mm -hmm. um, just because as much as my mental injuries affected me and, and may affect me down the road, I think those mental injuries are, are uh, that's a lifelong thing. And that's not something mm -hmm. that you'll never fully heal from. So um, for other guys and, and uh, yeah. So, and then the first thing I remember kind of waking up is just like, I think just like seeing all the people around me and like seeing my friends and family like there and, and kind of just wondering what's going on. And um, again, you probably have to ask my mom like the exact kind of time and, and date of when I fully was like awake and, and, and more or less present in the situation. But yeah, I can't def I can't, I don't think I can pinpoint kind of the, the first and last. So. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a bit of a tough one. Mm -hmm. And then, what after the, after the accident and everything what what did you when did you start to kind of i guess heal those uh like those mental traumas when did you start to you uh, you mentioned that about a month after was, every day was kind of a struggle and then i guess just what really changed that for you um for a while it, like it it just didn't change and i had no kind of for some, well, I guess the fact is we were still so much in shock and we were still so mm -hmm. much kind of trying to process that this actually just happened. So um, for a while, I, 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 I had no intentions of, of diving in and trying to, to heal those traumas just because I had mm -hmm. no idea what to do. Like I really had no idea how to go about this, how to take that first step. And, and uh, so I think, 
I don't think I really like fully took like care of my mental health until I came home from Humboldt. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's months after the accident, that's months after everything. So um, I definitely cr- I had my fair share of tears. Um, like I said, on the, on stage at the NHL awards, like I definitely knew what was going on and I definitely was, you know, I, I was starting to understand that, holy shit, like this literally mm-hmm. just happened and we lost, like, like we lost these beautiful people and, and, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, we were young kids, like we had, well, I guess not kids, like we were young adults, like how would we navigate this? How would we go about this? How would we like continually try to, to be there for each other when we still had to figure out what the heck we were going to do within ourselves. And, and I think I definitely tried to, I think a lot of us just tried to be there for everybody else and be there for each other just because we didn't know how to be there for ourselves. So, Mm -hmm. so just relying on each other was a big thing for a while. And I mean, it's too bad because we're, still in different provinces so it's not like we could hang out every day and and see each other every day but yeah it was definitely a journey and it still is it was it was uh it was a different kind of path to to navigate absolutely it's a a journey that will never end i i believe it's gonna it's gonna be just like any of us it's gonna be a part of part of your life for for a long time and and that's not a bad thing. Like that's, that's not, that's not something to be afraid of or something to, to shy away from. I think like we talked about at the start, like that's something to embrace and, and, um, and just kind of, you know, take it day by day. Like, like, like we said, and enjoy it the best we can. I think, I think you've come a long way, man. It sounds like you've, you've really had some, some deep struggles and, and you've had to, you've had to put up with a lot in, I mean, I'm happy that you you are where you are now, and you kind of you're starting to share that experience a lot more. And you're you've you've come up with this this clothing line, and that let's 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 talk about that a little bit. Kind of how that started, and what what got you into it, and where, what you plan to do with it as well. Yeah. So um, the whole sweater thing was kind of a spur of the moment thing um I know the family owns the embroidery shop in town and I've always kind of wanted to to just design something for fun and I I didn't have kind of any intentions of putting it out for the world to see or I just wanted to to just design something that felt good and 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 was made by me and and so I I sent this kind of original design that I wanted to to tailor at the shop and and she came up with this idea and and I got the hoodie made for me and, and my girlfriend and my brother. And, and um, yeah, we wore it for a couple of weeks, like not thinking anything of it. And then we, and I think she put up an Instagram story or post and then I put up a post and, and I got like a, a good number of messages from people asking where they got the, or where I got the hoodie and, and how do they get one. And so then I had to think to myself, I was like, wow, like maybe I could, maybe I could sell these. Mm-hmm. And then also put some towards mental health awareness. So mm-hmm. um, I went to the shop and I was like, Hey, can we, can we like open up a store? Like, how do we go about this? And, and luckily they've been doing everything, pretty much everything for me, which has been incredible. And, and they've uh, the hood, the hoodies and the, and the shirts and, and the toques and everything have been pretty much flying off the shelves, which I had no intentions or, or no idea mm-hmm. that that would ever happen just because I wanted to, this was just a, a design I made up just for fun. And, and it, it, these are two phrases that meant a lot to me and they, they meant something to me. So I had no idea that they would kind of strike a chord or, or connect with a lot of other people. But then I also realized it's a simple saying, but it means so much more mm-hmm. and it means kind of whatever you make of it. And um, so then I, I got a message saying how like this guy ordered a hoodie and he just wants these, conversations to be striked up and those tough mm-hmm. conversations and and whether that be this guy just posting a photo or or anybody posting a photo or a, or being at a family function or a friend get together or and wearing this and then all of a sudden a person being comfortable enough to strike up those tough conversations I think the mm-hmm. main reason now that I realized that I wanted to make these hoodies is just I wanted to be able to make those tough conversations easier and I wanted mm-hmm. to make that first kind of step of 
of initiating that conversation much easier just because it is a very tough thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot of things, a lot, a lot of the time that's what individuals or friends or family shy away from is just like initiating mm-hmm. that just because you never know how that other person's going to, to take it or you never know if that you, that other person really wants to fully become a part of that conversation with you. But I mean, now with the hoodies and everything, I just, those simple messages can, can strike up that conversation right away just because of, you know, that those people care. And I think mm-hmm. just wearing that hoodie for one, me, for me, at least it makes me feel good because I can look down and I can always kind of revert back to the fact that I have the people around me. I, I'm, I'm not alone and I'm never going to be alone. And, and I can also realize that I've made that step of, of embracing the fact that I, I've had struggles and I'm not okay. And, and it's also, it's, it's fine to be like that. And I think that's the, that's the shift kind of in, in the world right now, hopefully Mm -hmm. at least, and especially in our generation, it's just like mental health is such a prominent thing. And, and I think people realize that mental health and physical health coincide with each other now. So Mm -hmm. um, if this, this little sweater design, these phrases can mean so much or mean that much more to somebody and, and connect with these people, then I think that's the end goal. And then obviously mm-hmm. with the mental health awareness too, as much as I can give back to mental health and, and hopefully make an impact on other people's lives and give that hope and inspire and, and through donations or, or whatever it may be, I think that's, that's also a very special thing for me at least. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's kind of, it's, it's funny how some of the best things in life just kind of happen on a whim, just like that. And then they just kind of explode and take off. And I think what you're doing is phenomenal. Um, I definitely want to get my hands on one. Uh, I'd like to get one for my, myself and my girlfriend. Um, I don't know if a few guys do infant, infant sizes or not, but we have a five month old son. We'd like to get him in one as well. Oh, congrats. Um, um, you shoot me a message. We'll figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I love it, man. I think it's such a, it's such a, it's such a prominent thing right now. Mental health is, is huge. And there definitely is a, a big shift in the world with a lot of, a lot of people like yourself coming up and talking about it and creating these different things, these different avenues that are going to help open it up to people. So it's making it a lot easier to talk about. And, and I love it when people come on and talk about their experiences because even if one person listens to this and they, they end up talking about their experience and they end up feeling better about themselves and they end up being a better version of themselves and that 100% right there, that's a win. Um, and, and, that, and that, I absolutely love that. So we'll wrap it up here. I have a couple more questions for you. Um, the first one is going to be, what does it mean to you to be a man? Okay. Um, what does it mean to be, to me, to be a man? Um, I think just like having that, like changing that concept, that misconception of being able to be vulnerable. And, mm-hmm. and also one big thing I had to learn actually from my girlfriend is like, once you make that first step of kind of like realizing that you're not doing so hot or or you're not okay, that she had to tell me that it is like the most courageous and brave thing you could do. And that's mm-hmm. like, I think that's also a big misconception with kind of being a man is like, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't let out that vulnerability and, and you shouldn't be vulnerable about what's going on in your life. But I mean, now I think just being able to, to be there and be vulnerable and be present and, and be that person that kind of that other people will look up to. And I I think Mm -hmm. that's something I, I had no idea would ever happen or no intention of that kind of ever happening. But um, now for me as a man, I just want to be able to, to change that stigma, especially within men. And I mean, Movember's Mm -hmm. coming up and that's something I, I'm really passionate about just because it is Mm -hmm. focused on, more men's mental health and and to see the shift and to, to see that fact that even these professional athletes these these male pristine professional athletes are are starting to to open up about anxiety or depression is is a big thing and 
And to be able to do that takes a ton of courage, like I said. So just being a, for me, being a man, I think just being a, a courageous, um, strong, but also like aware individual, mm-hmm. just having that mental and, and self-awareness is, is such a, a, such a hidden, like, but hidden trait, but mm-hmm. so important, I think. So, um, yeah, I've, I've actually never even thought about that question. That's a great question, but. Yeah, just a couple of those things that I think really is what what makes hopefully makes me a man. For sure, man. I think you I think you exemplify all those qualities perfectly with everything you're doing. Um, the vul- vulnerability is huge, and I think that it's it's one of the hardest things to do. But once you do it, it feels amazing, and I think yeah. more people need to understand that there there's a lot of power in vul- vulnerability, and that's personal power. Um, it's, 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 it's empowering yourself and making yourself feel, feel better and, and, and doing more as well. So, yeah, I love that answer, man. That's, that's great. And like I said, you exemplify all those qualities. And then my last question for you would just be to what, what would one or one or two things that you would want to share with a, a young man? I know for myself, I struggled from the ages of 15 to 25. I struggled mentally. Um, with a lot of uh, unworthiness, um, self-hate, uh, just things like that. Like I, I know personally I struggled with a lot of things at that, in that age. And I'm, I'm just curious if there's anything that you would tell any young man that's going to help them along the way. Um, yeah, and I think that's the thing, that especially as a young man, there's, there's so many layers to a lot of individuals and there's so much that a lot of individuals, especially men probably bottle up and, and will never bring out. But um, one of the biggest things I preach in, in kind of my speeches or whatever I do is, is just to take that first step mm-hmm. and to just like take, I think that's the biggest step you can make. And, it, and once you make that step, then you can get on a, on a journey where you can start to feel good and not live with those kind of, not demons, but not, not live with those, those things that you're always thinking about, but will never get out. And Mm -hmm. one of the other things I preach is just take the necessary steps, like Mm -hmm. figure out what works for you and take those steps. Like, don't, don't think for me at at the beginning, like I said, I thought it was going to be a quick kind of one week, one month journey, but I think just be prepared to put in the work Mm -hmm. and even with an injury, just the recovery with an injury, I know like there's work involved and some people just have a problem putting in that time and, and effort into the healing. But the mental health side is even, is an even bigger thing. And I think that's a, mm-hmm. it's an everyday work thing, whether mm-hmm. it's a good or a bad day. And, and also another thing I had to realize is self-care is not selfish. And I think mm-hmm. that's a, that's something that a lot of people need to understand, especially kind of young men is, is there's no shame in taking care of yourself. And it's not like if the people around you think it's selfish, then unfortunately you just have to get rid of those people around you. But the people that truly care about you and love you will understand that it's not a selfish act to, to mm-hmm. put yourself first and to put your kind of your mental health first or, or whatever it may be, or whatever you're struggling with. There's no, there's no shame in that. And there's no shame in, and having those days where you need to just take that day for yourself or, or do what you need to do. So. Mm -hmm. For sure, man. I love it. And I think that's so important to give yourself that space, give yourself that time. Um, We all kind of, whether we're, whether it doesn't really matter if we're recovering from an accident or an experience, or if we're, trying to even lose weight if it's physical mental material whatever it is we all got to give ourselves that time and that space to kind of to kind of grow and expand and and learn and then yeah that self self love is so important and you really got to take care of yourself and i think we need to put ourselves first in order to grow and then that allows you to help other people if you're not putting yourself first you're not taking care of yourself then you're not going to have the ability. You're not going to have the, you're not going to be able to help other people that you want to help. So I think those two points, those two points are super important. And I think it's, it's important to jot that down. Um, 
that's all I have for you, man, for questions. Is there anything you want to mention? Is there anything you want to bring up? Um, no, I mean, if anybody's listening that, that supported the, the little clothing line I did, I, I mean, I just can't thank people enough for the, the love and support on, on those products just because at the end of the day, it's, it's hopefully going to be able to change lives with the, the donations that go towards awareness. And, and um, other than that, yeah, I think just thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, man. It was an awesome chat. And uh, yeah, thanks again to everybody that's always loved and supported us as a, us as a family and us as the, as the, the humble Broncos. So yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Thank you, Tyler. I truly appreciate your time. And like you said, that was an, that was an amazing conversation. Of course. Thank you again.